0: Hey SIA family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I wanna encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world giving is safe and simple you can go to our app or you can go to our website cfmiami.org slash give well god bless you and i hope you enjoy this message hey church family you know that song reminds us of a powerful truth that we have a god who fights for us even when you are in the darkest moment of your life the Lord won't forget you he will fight for you and lead you into what his glorious life do you believe that church family come on let's give another shout of praise to God this morning amen what a wonderful day it is to worship our God welcome everyone my name is Zomar and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship Uh, and if it's your first time here today listen We love, we are honored the fact that you have decided to join us today. Can we show some love for our first time guest today? Listen, we hope that you're feeling loved and welcome. And it's a great time for us because we are starting to wind down the series called Before the Throne, a theology of prayer. And uh, even though prayer may seem basic at its surface, the truth of the matter is that it's so intricate. There's so many special aspects of it that when you study God's Word, you begin to learn more about it. And so last week we learned about the importance of prayer and fasting. And this past Wednesday we had a great, a beautiful day of prayer and fasting here at the church. So I hope you were able to partake of that. And uh, today we're going to be looking at how does our prayer and God's sovereignty interrelate. And so, man, I am eager to dive into God's Word. Are you all too? Yeah? All right. And so wherever you find yourself, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 24, and you can follow along with me as I read. Listen to what God's word says. And when they were released, speaking of Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, what? Sovereign Lord. Lord. In other words, the moment that there was a need in their life, they looked up to God and said, Lord, we know you can do all things. Lord, we know you are the sovereign God. Amen, church. Go ahead and take a seat. Church family, that is God's word. And I want to set things up by taking us back to the year 1989. Because back in 1989, I was a chubby six-year-old living back in Puerto Rico. Yeah, and and, and mind you, at that time, my parents were already divorced and were split up. So during the week, I would stay with my mom and grandparents. And on the weekend, my dad would come pick me up. And church, even though he did not have a lot of money, He always tried to take me out out and just go have some fun. In fact, many of my earliest memories from my childhood was when my dad would pick me up and he would usually take me to this little park there called Felicilandia in Puerto Rico. So I would just go there and and just do the rides. And then afterwards, uh, he would take me to Burger King or to this Chinese restaurant. Uh, I, I used to love chicken chow mein. I don't know why I always remember that, but I used to love chicken chow mein. And then he would buy me a little, small, inexpensive toy before he took me home to my mom. But follow me here. Because during this time, there was an amazing, brand new toy out uh, out on the market. Yeah. In fact, when I saw the commercial, the first commercial ever for this toy, I could not believe what I was seeing. In fact, take a look at the very first commercial of this toy. They said it wasn't humanly possible. All the power and excitement of Nintendo right in the palm of your hand. Introducing Game Boy. It's portable, it's in stereo, and its games are interchangeable. Game Boy comes complete with batteries and the outrageous new game, Tetris. And for head-to-head competition, use Video Link and blow your opponent away. Game Boy. Only from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power. Portable power. Oh, yeah portable power. And so the Game Boy was introduced in 1989. Listen, and it was the dream of every single little boy that saw that commercial. But church, there was a problem. And the problem was that it was very, very expensive. Oh yeah, it was $89.99. Very expensive, right? And and, and folks, as a six-year-old, this was an enormous amount. Why? Because to me, I only had a couple quarters, or maybe a dollar, a couple dollars in my piggy bank. So in my mind, listen, there was no way, I assumed there was no way that my father, that my dad could ever buy this for me. And so because of it, listen, here's why I assumed that, because in my mind, I thought either he cannot buy for me, right? He, I, I assumed that he could not buy for me, or if he could buy for me, I could never convince him. I could never change his mind about buy me this brand new Game Boy. And folks, because I assumed that I, I, I at the outset, I never really asked my dad for this Game Boy. But folks, there came a point where I gathered, I mustered up the courage to ask my father. Everyone say, ask my father. Ask my father. And ask my dad, hey dad, would you ever buy me this brand new toy called the Game Boy? And church, to my surprise, he said, yes. And so he took me out on one weekend. We went out to Toys R Us. Yeah, you remember those places? Yeah, Toys R Us. And I went to that display case and I saw that Game Boy And I put my little hand on one of those Game Boys. And then my dad bought me my very first portable entertainment system. Oh, yeah. Listen, I was the talk of the class. Other boys could not believe I had this brand new Game Boy. But folks, don't miss it. Because I almost did not ask my dad for what I wanted because I assumed... I assumed that either he could not do it or if he could do it, I could never convince him to do it. And so in my six-year-old mind, asking my father, listen, was just pointless. And church, let me just bring all of that over to our time together because what an image of what happens to many of us when it comes to prayer. And by that, I mean that just like, listen, my wrong assumptions, right? led me not to ask my father for what I wanted in my heart. Listen, just like that. And here's the big idea as we dive into God's word. There are many people who make the wrong assumptions of their heavenly father. And they do not ask or seek the Lord for what it's in their heart. Because either God cannot do it, it's just too big for God. Or if he could do it, if he can do it, man, I don't think I could ever convince God to do it. And who knows, maybe you're here today and there's something in your life that you have not asked enough the Lord to do. Maybe it's something with a marriage issue, maybe it's something with your children, perhaps it's a financial issue, a career issue, something going on at school. Maybe there's something going on in your life, and and the reason you haven't been persistent in prayer is because in in your mind, either God can't do it, God cannot fix this, or perhaps he could do it, but I, I don't think I can get God to do it, I cannot convince him to do it. As a result... Your prayer life is lacking. And you have not gone to your heavenly father and asked him about what is in your heart. And perhaps you're hearing, thinking, Omar, listen, yes, there are certain things in my life that I know I haven't prayed to God, I have not been bold enough to ask my father for. So, Omar, what do I need to know about my heavenly father? so that I could begin to pray like I should be praying about this issue in my life. Well, church, we're going to find out from God's word in Acts chapter 4 by examining a prayer of the early church, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4. You can open up your Christ Fellowship apps or take out your listening guides that are available at the entrance of the worship center so you can take handwritten notes if that's what you prefer. But today I have two thoughts for us on what we need to remember when we pray to our God. Are you ready, Christ Fellowship? Ready. All right, so, so write this down as point number one, church. We need to remember that God is sovereign yes. over everything that takes place. Amen. Now, before we dive into the passage for today, let me set up the scene for us, because we find ourselves in the infant stages of the church. Uh, The Spirit of God had just fallen on the disciples a couple chapters before that. uh, And they began to preach God's word. They began to evangelize. They began to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And many people were coming to know the Lord, right? Thousands were being saved. And to the point that even just right before this passage, Peter and John had just healed a lame man that everyone knew. And families and the religious rulers of the time did not like this. Because they did not like all this attention and all this commotion about this new sect that was arising out of Judaism. And so what happened was that they arrested Peter and John and they began to threaten them and warn them never again to speak in the name of Jesus Christ to anybody else. And so once they were released, listen to what happens in Acts chapter 4. It says this. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, what's the next word? Sovereign. sovereign. <laughs> yeah. Sovereign Lord. Lord. Now, the first thing that we see is that right after they were freed, the people of God came together and prayed. And the way they addressed the father was by saying, sovereign Lord. You know, circle the word sovereign there in your Bible or in your handout. Because the word sovereign means that it means one who exercises complete authority and control. In other words, the word sovereign there is indicating that not only does God have the free will to do whatever he pleases in whatever way he wants, But get this, he has the power to do it and nobody can ever get in his way. In fact, Augustine, who is arguably the greatest theologian the church has ever seen other than the apostle Paul, he once said this, that nothing happens in this universe, listen carefully, apart from the will of God and in a certain place, in a certain sense, God ordains everything, everything that happens. And so you got to love this. Because after seeing their leaders get arrested and threatened, instead of the early church cowering in fear, they went boldly before the throne of God and said, God, Sovereign Lord In other words, they verbalized, Lord, we know that you are the all-powerful God who is in full control of everything that's going on. And so here's the first thing that they emphasized in their prayer. Write this down, as letter A. That God sovereignly created all things. In fact, listen to what they prayed next. They said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So the first thing to acknowledge is that part of God's sovereign power is that he could create whatever he wanted and he did create everything we see in this universe. In fact, scripture says that by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, Some things, uh uh-uh, all things, right? All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then in the book of Hebrews it says that he alone upholds the universe by the word of his power. So not only did they acknowledge that he was the one who, who created all things, and he is holding all things by the word of his power. Folks, here's the next thing they said about God's sovereignty. Write this down letter B. is that God sovereignly ordains and controls all things. Amen. Now listen to what they said next in the prayer. They said, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And the peoples plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against, against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. And church family, listen carefully to what they say next. They said... To do whatever your what? Hand. Your hand and your what? Plan. Yeah. To do whatever your hand and your plan had what? Predestined. Predestined to take place. So notice carefully. These believers, even at an early stage, listen, were very, very sharp in their theology. Because they understood that everything that takes place, whether good or bad, is in the control of our God. See, they knew that God, in the book of of Isaiah, said this. God said, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. And so as we read through God's word, we see that God is very clear about his absolute sovereignty, his sovereign power over every sphere of life. And folks, since God is so clear about how sovereign he really is, listen, one of my goals in my pastorate here as I serve you here at Christ Fellowship it's to elevate, listen, your understanding of truly how sovereign God is. Amen. Because the more clear you are on God's sovereignty, the more you're going to trust him. Amen. Listen, you don't trust a God who's not sovereign. The more you truly begin to embrace God's absolute sovereignty over every detail of this life, in the history of redemption, the more you will trust him with every single aspect of your life amen church and so folks the greatest example of god's sovereignty is what they spoke about here in this prayer which is the most horrific thing that ever happened in human history and that is the crucifixion of the holy son of god and church here's what they said listen they acknowledge that even in the worst moment in human history listen the lord hand was behind it, it was his plan to do it, and he had predestined all of that to do it before the foundations of the world. And oh, church, that we would be as Christ's Fellowship, listen, that every single time that something seems to go wrong, listen, that at those moments that you and I, we would bow before God and say, Lord, listen. If you were completely sovereign over the the crucifixion of your son, then surely you are in control of this situation. I may not understand it. We may not understand why things happen. But, Lord, you, oh God, you are sovereign. Amen. Amen. And you know, church, when, when we see things like that are happening in Ukraine, listen, we don't know why things are happening. We don't understand why things are taking place the way they are. But here's, as a people of God, here's what we do know. That who is in control of this situation is not Vladimir Putin. The one who is in control of this entire situation is our only sovereign God. Amen? And folks, even though we might not only always understand why God is allowing this to happen, we do know he's in control and there are purposes, there are things that he's doing that we may not understand, but listen listen carefully, make no mistake about it, God is in full control of what's happening there. Can we give a shout of praise to our God? And church, here's the thing. When we truly embrace the absolute sovereignty of God over every aspect of life, here's what happens. Write this down as big number two. God's sovereignty now motivates us to pray. Now think about it. The reason you pray is because in your heart, you know God is sovereign. Otherwise, listen, you would not pray to a God who's not sovereign. Why would you waste your time praying to a God who really can't do anything? The fact that you utter a word to God and you pray, you are acknowledging, God, we know that you can do all things, nothing can get in your way. So that's one side of the coin of our prayer life and God's sovereignty. But let's look at the other side of that coin. Because the question also then leads, so if God is sovereign, why even bother praying? You know, if God has already planned and, or, and appointed things to take place, why pray? You know, King David said this, said in Psalms 139, listen very carefully to what David said. He said this, he said, your eyes, your eyes, oh God, saw my unformed body. All the days what ordained. All the days that were ordained for me were written in your book before before one of them came to be. So, so what is David acknowledging here in Psalms 139 that even before he was born, God had already ordained Come on. He had already ordained every single day of his life. In fact, it says that he wrote everything down even before those days came to be. But notice carefully, even though David is acknowledging God's absolute sovereignty over his life, he was still a fervent man of prayer. In fact, most of the Psalms, is David praying to God. And so if David acknowledged how truly sovereign God is over our lives, then why did he bother praying so much? So let's make it personal. If God already knows your life, he knows the day you were born, he knows how you grew up, He, know, he if all the days were already ordained, how you were going to grow up, how you, what school you went to, that person you met, the person you married, uh, the school you went to, your career, that one thing happened in your life that was, that, that was really big, uh, how you began to wind down your life, your retirement, even the way that you were going to die, and even the second where you would take your last breath on earth. God already ordained it. God has already written down in his book. So why bother praying? If God has, like David... If God knows what's gonna happen in our life, He's a sovereign God. Why bother praying? Because from a certain standpoint, it may seem like prayer is pointless, right? Folks, here's a few things for us to remember, okay? First of all, even though God is sovereign, write this down as letter A, God commands us to pray for our needs and desires. See, God says in the book of Jeremiah, call upon me, and the authoritative, call upon me and come and pray to me and I will what? Hear you. Hear you. See, folks, our Heavenly Father desires, wants you, even commands his people, hey, pray to me. And folks, that's exactly what the early church, even though they acknowledged God's sovereignty, listen to what they said next. It says, and now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And so folks, at, the, at that very moment, listen, their biggest need was what? It was boldness. They, they, they wanted, they, they felt they needed boldness, so they asked God. And, folks, here is why our sovereign God wants His children to pray. It's because, write this down, letter B. Be. It's because God promises to hear and respond to our prayer. That's good. In fact, listen to what happens next. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And continue to speak the word of God with what? Boldness. See, we've been learning in this series, if you've been with us, that the most wonderful thing of prayer is that even though we don't deserve to have the ear of God in prayer, the Lord listens to us. In fact, God's word says in 1 Peter, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, are those in Christ. And his ears are open to their prayer. In 1 John chapter 5, it says this. We read this at the beginning of the series. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, keep that in mind, according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And so the most amazing thing about prayer is that every single time you utter a word, your Heavenly Father hears us. But here's the question I want to pose. for Because I always want to push our, our thinking. Right? I want us to think critically about the things of God. Here's the question I want to pose for us today. Did the prayer of the early church change the mind of God? Was he waiting to see if they prayed in order to accomplish his purposes? You know, after all, Scripture says in the book of Numbers that God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. So if, the church, if God had already decided, I am going to build my church with these people, Right? He had already ordained it, he was already planning it. Why did they ask for boldness if that's what God was already planning to do? And so here's a way of reconciling these seemingly contradictory thoughts, right? In, in theological cir- circles, we call this uh, uh, an antimony, when there's two thoughts that seem on the surface to not be able to, uh, to, to that they seem to contradict. Well, first of all, here's some things for us to kind of remember or to think through in order to kind of grasp this concept together. First of all, we need to remember that prayer is not only about asking things from God, but rather it's one of the, really the primary way that we communicate, commune with God and adore our God. Amen? Amen. So so prayer is a way for you to talk to God. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him how much you love him. Have a personal relationship with God. You know, for example, Ashley and I are, are, are married, which is really the, the, the closest union that two people could have in this earth. And there's often times that I already know what's on her mind, but I still like her to verbalize it. I still like her to talk to me about it. And folks, if that's true of, of man, how can it not be true of God? He already knows what's going on. He wants you to talk to him about it, right? But folks, when it comes to our request... Right? Whenever we do make a request in our prayers, it's hard to fully grasp you know, in our minds, since our minds are finite, finite and simple in many ways, and God's mind is infinitely complex and, and, and perfectly wise. But, but, but perhaps this is a way for us to try to grasp how God's sovereignty and our prayers interrelate. Okay? See, just like God plans and ordains for things to take place, okay, Within God's plans, he also plans and moves his people to pray according to his plans. That's good. So, so, so let me put it another way. As God was planning human history, as God was planning your life, right, in the same way he was at the same time planning moments in your life, right, where he would move you to pray to him so that he would respond and accomplish his purpose through your life. So in many ways, God already even moves and plans so that we could ask and experience God being a provider God and seeing God work. In fact, let me just give you a quick example, not a perfect example, but a way for us to kind of start understanding how our request to God uh, uh, makes sense. So Camila, my oldest, right, she just got her big girl bed a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, her big girl bed. She went from a crib and now she's a big girl bed. And, you know, she got out of the bed like 15 times the first night. But, you know, last night was once putting her down and once at 5 in the morning. We're we're doing well. We're, We're making traction here. But she loves her big girl bed. And here's the thing. Every single night I'm already planning to give her a bottle of milk before she goes to bed. Why? Because I know that she needs it, it will fill her up, and it will get her to go to bed easier, right? I'm already planning to do that every night. But here's what happens. Every single night, I wait for her to ask me for that bottle. And she always goes, Daddy, can I get my leche, which is milk, can I get my leche, my bottle of leche, but to the top? Full, to the top, to the very, very top. And I always get to to the bottom. No, 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 to the top, daddy, to the top, right? She's always make sure to the very top. And when I give her the bottle, she looks into the light to make sure it's always to the top, right? All the time. But here's what happens. I like to wait for her to ask me. Even though I'm planning to do it, I like for her to ask me for it so that as I give it to her, she can experience my love, my provision, yes. and she can feel the affection that I have for her. You see? And folks, in the same way, listen, God has certain plans for your life, but there are moments where he's going to move you to ask him so that you can experience that aspect of your relationship Amen. with God. Amen. And folks, here's what happens when you ask your heavenly father for things. Here's what happens. Write this down, set her seat. God is glorified when his will is accomplished wow. through wow. the prayers of his people. Amen. You see, prayer, like everything else in the Christian life, listen, is for God's glory and our benefit in that order. You see, everything that God does is to reveal his glory, to reveal his attributes to humanity, right? And as he reveals his attributes, we are blessed and we receive the blessings of everything that God gives us. So in many ways, you know, our prayers work in conjunction, right, in a way that we, maybe we will never truly understand. It works in conjunction to, to accomplish God's sovereign will through the prayers of God. His people, And as God responds to his people, he gets the glory and we get to experience the benefit. Can I get an amen to that? And so church, let me end with this, you know. During the first week of the series, about a little bit over a month ago, is when everything in Ukraine began to develop. And I remember that before we started this series, before the first teaching of this series, Before the Throne, I felt like I needed to go before you and lead us in a prayer to the Lord for the situation in Ukraine. And in a few moments, I'm going to show you that prayer, but as you listen to what I prayed and we prayed together, listen very carefully to the words that I said, that we said to our Heavenly Father that day. In fact, take a look. Father, we acknowledge, O oh God, that you are the only sovereign God and that everything that happens in this world is under your control. But Father, you have asked us to pray. And so Lord, first of all, we wanna pray as a church for peace. Father, that you would intervene in the minds of the leaders at hand, oh God, and that you would lead them towards peace instead of war. Father, we pray for all those people in the Ukraine being affected, those families, those children, those fathers, those mothers, Father, we pray for protection over them. Lord, that you would protect them, keep families intact, and help them endure this moment in time. But Father, we also pray that even in the middle of so much darkness, Father, may your gospel shine brightly. Father, you will use this opportunity to bring the hope of the gospel and of Christ to the people in Ukraine. Father, empower the churches to proclaim boldly the forgiveness and the eternal life that can only be found in Christ. Lord, they might be losing their country, but Father, let them gain eternal life as a result. Amen. And church, you know, that day, listen, I went up there and I was not, I had not planned what I was going to say. In many ways, I, I was led by the Spirit of God to pray all those, God moved my heart to utter those words. And notice, I said, I began by saying, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign God. And as I pray towards the end, I emphasize, Lord, may your gospel shine brightly in the middle of his darkness. And I said, Lord, even if they, they, even though they may be losing their country, may many gain eternal life. I said, we prayed that as a church, didn't we? And listen. Listen. What, it's amazing to see what the Lord has begun to do there. In fact, we see the the reports, you know, uh, that the town just nearby to the the town where this church is, I can't really share the names for for their safety. But the church right immediately next to them, about a mile or two away from them, uh, the Russian forces have already overtaken that city. They're very close to the Russian border. In fact, the reports say that, they're just going, the tanks are just going through every street and just pointing at every home and just leveling every single home. And if they see any man in the street, they just shoot him down. And so right now, the city, that little town that they're in right now hasn't been really overtaken yet. But they know that there's a possibility of that. But God led us when we first built, made, helped them build that, that church, to create a basement in the bottom of that church. And you know what's amazing? Even in the middle of all this chaos, the reports say that every single day, so many people are coming to the center of that town, to that, little, to that church, and they're going into the basement to hear God's word. They want to hear more about God, to pray. And the reports is that, listen, that many are repenting. Yeah, that's the word, the phrase they use for, for coming to know Christ. Yeah. In fact, listen, church, we got off the phone with them just a little while ago, and today people came to know Christ in that basement. Yeah. And so, family, here's what I want you to understand. They might be losing their physical homes, but they're gaining an eternal home in heaven because of this. And so, church, you see how God sovereignly is working this out? You know, when the, holes, when the world's eyes are looking at the temporal, physical things, the eyes of the Lord are on the spiritual. The Lord, the eyes of the Lord are doing things that we can never even think or imagine. And folks, even in the middle of such a dark time, the Lord is still at work, amen? And the Lord has a purpose for all this. And so many people now are entering into an amazing, loving relationship with a God of the universe who loves them, Amen. Who knows, maybe you're here right now, and you've been joining us for several weeks. Maybe you're here today for the first time. You've been hearing about us talking about praying to our Heavenly Father, and there's amazing relationship we have with God. But the truth is that you're sitting here right now, and you feel like you don't have a relationship with God. You've heard about God, but you don't, you don't really have a personal relationship with God. When you're here today right now, you're thinking, man, I, I need to get right with God. Man, I'm tired of living this life without God. I've seen enough of what this world has to offer. Man, I'm ready to start a personal relationship with this amazing God that they talk about. Because I need that in my life. So you're probably wondering, well, Omar, how do you do that? How do you start a personal relationship with God? As the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved shall be saved from their sins and enter into a personal relationship with god the question you may have is okay omar how do you call on god what is it by coming to church is it a a ritual i did when i was a little child Is it my good works you know what do i have to do in order to enter into this relationship with god was god's word makes it very simple listen the way you start this relationship with god is by putting your faith and trust In Jesus Christ. See, the moment that you come before the Lord, you surrender and you put your trust, first of all, in the perfect life that Jesus lived for you. He lived the perfect life of obedience that you and I can never live. Then He went to a cross and He died for your sins and my sins, even though He did not deserve it. He suffered for you. And then He resurrected to new life three days later to give us a future and a hope and a brand new life. You see, in the moment that you put your trust in Christ, you you, 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 put him, you trust him as Savior, the Bible says that he forgives you of all of your sins. Listen, everything right now that you're ashamed of, the beauty of the gospel is that he forgives you. He forgives you of everything you've ever done. He makes you then his son and daughter. He adopts you as his personal son and daughter, and you start a personal relationship with Christ, with, 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 with the Lord. Listen, that will never end. But listen, the question is, listen, you know that there's a sovereign God who's out there, who loves you, who gave his son for you. The question is, would you put your trust in him today? Let's bar our head for prayer. My Lord, we are just so grateful today that we've learned and we're reminded in your word that you are, in fact, the only sovereign God. And Father, I pray for all of us that we would take a step in our trust in you. And that as we acknowledge, Lord, that you have a plan for our lives, that you have, that you have complete sovereignty, Lord, lead, lead us, Lord, to pray for you fervently, Lord, about the things in your life. Because, Father, we know that you hear us and that you respond. So, Father, help us to pray for you like never before. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to those of us today who you know that you're ready to take this step, that you're ready to put your faith and trust in Christ. And so, in a few moments, if that's you, listen. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. But before that, listen. I want to I want to ask you to do something. And I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to uh, send you to you know ask you to stand up, ask for your name, uh, you know, embarrass you in any way. Nothing like that. Listen, this is a private moment. In a few moments, listen. I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand, and I think that's an important part because it helps you. It almost helps you acknowledge, yes, I'm ready to take a step of faith. You know, many people last night and at our 9 o'clock service, day, they came to know Christ. And listen, there's, I'm com- there's people here today that says, you know what, I'm ready to take this step of faith. I'm ready to start my new life with the Lord. And so that's you with no one looking around, all eyes closed. It's a special moment. If that's you, say, just lift up your hands. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I see you, man. Pray for me. I'm ready to take a step. I see you. Anybody else? I see you as well in the front. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see you in the back. I see you. Anybody else? At all campuses? Amen. In many hands. Listen, you can put your hand down. Whether you raise your hand or not, I want to lead you through a prayer. And when you pray this, listen, I always like to remind you, you do not pray this to me. I'm only a man. I cannot save you. You pray to the God who gave his son for you and who loves you. So pray this with me. Lord, today I realize how all the days of my life are in your hands. And Lord, you have led me to this moment where I began to realize not only of my sin before you, but how much I really need you. So today, Lord, I confess all of my sin before you. I put my trust in you, O oh God, no longer in myself, but I put my trust in what your son, son did for me at the cross and I ask you, O Lord, to give me everlasting life, O oh Lord. And Lord, for the rest of my life, help me to live a life that trusts in you and that glorifies you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. is in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, amen. Hey, can we encourage all of those at all campuses who pray that prayer? Because if that's you, Man, I, I want to encourage you, before you go home, listen, there is a Next Step booth at each of our campuses. This is st- you'll see the sign. Stop by there. It will be a few moments. There's a team of people who would just like to connect with you, give you a Bible, and connect you, help you get connected to one of our pastors so that we can help you take steps in your new journey with Christ, right? It's a small step, but an important step in your new journey with the Lord. So make sure you stop by the Next Step booth on your way out. And if you're watching online, go to cfmiami.org/connect, fill that form out, and we will reach out to you. Well, I'm going to call all campus pastors to the front at all campuses. I said so I want to encourage you to be back next week. We're wrapping up the series before the throne, and we're going to be, at, you know, looking at God's word as if God is sovereign over the salvation of man. Then why should we pray for people to get saved? Why should we pray for our loved ones, for our parents, for our brothers and sisters, for our family, for our coworkers, for our neighbors? Why should we pray for people to be saved if God's sovereign? We're going to find out next week as we open up God's word again, all right? Christ fellowship, I love you. Have a great, great week.